0: This morning as I share, I want to just share on the second part of what we started to talk about last week. and uh, It's called Love Poured Out and we started talking about that la- uh, last week. But I want to just say this and, and uh, as I talk to people and, and, and what's going on and share with them, pray with them. And uh, just really um, get together with people. Uh, I tell them, I'm not gonna pretend that I know what to say at this time. I- I'm not gonna pretend that I have answers, that, you know, all the answers right now, and I have a lot of answers right now. I'm not gonna pretend that. But I'm also not gonna pretend that there is no answer. I'm not gonna pretend that there's not an answer because there is an answer. And there is a way that God is leading us to see victory and to see healing in our nation. Can you say amen? So I, d- I definitely believe that, and I absolutely believe those things. And uh, I almost, I almost, I didn't want to do this to the crew, but I almost changed my whole message today. So thanks, guys, you know, before, that I uh, didn't do that, you know. Um, but anyways, but uh, they're a great crew, and, and I think they would have handled it. But I just really felt, so I'm going to hold off on that. While I feel the Lord's giving me for next week. But I want to just go into this quick and, and jump into this quickly and share with you today and just allow the Lord to continue to encourage our hearts uh, at this time. So last week we talked about we preached out of Romans chapter five verse five, where it says that that the the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, by the Holy Spirit. And so we talked about how love was poured out and the Holy Ghost was poured in. And we, we shared some things with that. If you missed that, just you can uh, catch that on YouTube or whatever, but um, I just feel like it just the second part of this is what I wanted to share today. And so uh, if you turn with me or click on your device to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, First Corinthians chapter 13, very familiar passage of Scripture to believers and, and uh, um, unbelievers alike. Uh, this scripture is shared a lot at weddings. First uh, Corinthians 13, we call it the love chapter. And uh, it is uh, talked a lot about it, weddings and some other things. And we talk about love. And a lot of times we look at it as how we're to respond to other people. I want to go through this today and just bear with me today. I want to just kind of get this really out as I'm feeling this and, and just share this the best I can. So it says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Love is patient, love is kind. Sorry, in verse 4 through 7. Uh, I'm jumping around a little bit. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 and 7. So I'm just going to paraphrase. Love is patient, Love is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not boast. Love is not proud. Love does not dis- dishonor others. Love is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrong. Love does not delight in evil. It, does not rejo- it rejoices rather with the truth. Love always protects. Love always trusts. Love always hopes. Love always perseveres. Love never fails." If you're studying this and taking notes, you'll see there's two things that what love is. There's eight things that what love isn't, and there's five things that love always does, and there's one thing that love never does, and it never fails. But I I began to look at this, and if you look at this word and study this a little bit, and just see, I I think this is important to share today. That word there is agape love. As Paul was expressing this, comes out in the Greek, and it it really... uh, it, it, and it's very important. It's, it's one of the kind of the five definitions of love that we teach about and, and explains in the Bible. But one of the things that it makes it clear is where love comes from, where agape comes from. That word love is agape, where agape comes from. And we know that love uh, comes from God because the Bible says in 1 John chapter 4 that God is love. Now, it doesn't just say that God loves, even though he does. It says God is love. There's a profound difference. God just doesn't love. He is love. And so agape love, as we talk about it here in 1 Corinthians 13, as Paul was describing, does not come from any one of us. It flows through us. It comes from God. Agape love does not something that I make up, I design, I decide to do it. I wake up one morning and all of a sudden I'm in love with everything and everybody and I forgive everybody. No, it's something that comes from God. Agape love comes from God. You've got to receive, as the Bible says, if you know love, that means you know God. But if you do not know God, then you cannot know love. Agape love comes from God. It doesn't come from me. It can only flow Through me, That's important to understand because the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. Not by me, not by a church, not by a denomination, not by, uh, you know, if you get baptized, all of a sudden you love everybody. No, it's something that happens in your heart from God. Amen. You don't get it from yourself. And there's a few things about agape love that that the Bible teaches here. If you study love and what, what we as Christians, we walk through, we walk in agape love. And one of the things, and one of the things that it teaches us is that this agape love is a command. (laughs) I think that's important because I've heard a lot of people say that God doesn't give commands in the New Testament anymore. Well, I beg to differ because in 1 John chapter 13, Jesus said, A new commandment I give you to love one another. He does not ask us to love people, He commands us to love people. That, that deserves an amen right there. He commands us to love people. It is a response from us to what God requires of us. Literally. We have got to follow God's commands. One of the things about the New Testament, the Bible says that in the Old Testament, there was the, had God had given the law, but now we have grace and truth through Jesus Christ. And let me just tell you something. Grace does not omit the commandments of God. It enables me to do them. All right, so love is a command. And the other thing about this agape love is it's an act. It is something that it's an obedient act of faith that that comes from, you know, really that we we do. It has nothing to do with the the way we feel, the way we perceive things, the way we understand things. It is an action. And as we shared last week, that first there's an action before there's an emotion. Amen? That's just the way it is. And so it is an act. It's something that has to happen. It's not automatic. This agape love teaches us that it just, it's not automatic. It's something that has to be activated, maintained, cultivated. It teaches us that it's a fruit. And we know just like every other fruit tree, it has to be maintained. It's not something you can do once a week or once in your lifetime. You kind of show a love to somebody. It's something that has to be cultivated, maintained all the time. Amen? All the time. And so 1 John chapter 4, verse 12 says, Uh, uh, John teaches this, he says, If we love one another, the love of God is perfected in us. His love grows within us, so it has to be activated and maintained. This agape love, it protects and it defends. It protects and it defends. And so we've got to guard it. We've got to protect it. We have got to be careful how we love one another, that we are loving one another, as Paul is teaching us. I'm going to get into something here. I just want to set the stage here. So love also, this agape love also embraces responsibility. The Bible teaches us that we are to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Jesus came to fulfill His Father's uh, calling and came to do his responsibility wholly. I'm not talking about being foolish and enabling people enabling people in their dysfunction or their sickness. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about taking responsibility. It embraces the responsibility of going outside yourself and reaching other people, living your life in light of what other people, how other people are, are feeling and growing and and uh, living together. So that's kind of what it is. And so agape love. I, I really began to think of this. And I just, it came to me. I, I just really feel this. And especially today in this, in this hour. That love does what's right. Not what's easy. Agape love does what's right. Not what's easy. It doesn't take the easy road. It doesn't cop out. It doesn't cut corners. It does what's right. Despite how hard it is. And I believe those who know love are compelled by love they're compelled by love it drives them it wakes them up in the morning keeps them up late at night praying seeking doing things whatever it it as paul said it constrains them see faith really enables us to know god but love enables us to imitate god amen i'll say that again faith enables us to come to god and to know god but love enables us to imitate god first john chapter 4 verse 20 says if a man say i love god and hates his brother he's a liar for he that loveth not his brother who he can see, how can he love God who he can't see? Amen. And I believe that's an important principle. But as, we, as I began to look at this 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and this is what I want to share with you today. As 1 Corinthians chapter 13, as we talked to the love chapter, we went through all the things that love is and the principles of love. I want you to know something. Just, 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 just for a moment, look at it from another angle. Look at it from a different perspective. A lot of times we look at it as, you know, we share it with the weddings, and this is what you're to do, and you've got to love others. It's what, what you know, we want to be better people. We want to love each other better, so we've got to, you know, do this. And that's, that's necessary. But let me just look at this in a different way. Let's look at this as, as if we're reading it as the church. Let's look at this as 1 Corinthians 13 is addressed to a church, a body of believers, Christians, if you will. It's a little different, I know, but we're just going to go through this. And I want to keep in mind that I'm trying to look at this through what, what the eyes of the Lord for a church, for the church, for his church, for his body. And as Paul is addressing in 1 Corinthians 13, yes, he's addressing individuals, but he's also addressing the whole church. See, in 1 Corinthians 12, he talks about the gifts of the Spirit in your life, your personal life. In 1 Corinthians 14, he talks about gifts of the Spirit in the church, which is a healthy New Testament church. But right here, he talks about the you know love. Character is more important than the gifts, and he's talking about in the church. Think about it. So let's address this as we would the church. What does it mean when love is patient for the church again? This means that loving other people as they become who God wants them to be. That means we're patient with one another. We're we're seeing what God's doing in other people. We're, We're not giving up on people easily. That's what it means to be patient. We're yielding to each other's strengths and showing grace with people's weaknesses. That's being patient, isn't it? How about this? As a church, we're waiting on God for what He wants to do, for what He spoke of our church. We pray together. We fast together. We're waiting on God. We're not just going to say, "Oh, well, there's not much happening here." How many? T- no. Sometimes we've got to wait as a church because God's doing something, Amen, with us that's bigger than us, Amen. Love is kind. What does it mean as a church? For as we direct us to the church, love is kind. It means that faith is defined by works, but works are defined by love. It means that there's a. Uh, loving others with your words and your actions and with good works, as the Bible says. That's how we love one another, not just by saying it, by doing it, as the Bible teaches us. You know, the Bible says that the goodness of God or the kindness of God, the things that God does for us out of his kindness leads us to repentance. Amen. So being kind is a healing agent. Being kind is an illuminating agent that people see our good works and they see who God is. They begin to see, amen, maybe there's something to this God of yours. Kindness sees and knows the needs around them. It doesn't just get together on Sunday with a bunch of people. It knows the needs of people around them. Amen, because we're in a relationship. Love does not envy, as it says here. Love does not envy. And so what that means is really that it doesn't get jealous, It doesn't always compare each other amongst each other. It's it's not trying to be some other church or some other ministry that it's not. It's not always jealous of what other people have because envy always wants what it doesn't have. And as a church, it's good to appreciate the people that are coming to your church. It's good to appreciate where God has you. It's good to appreciate uh, you know, each other and the gifts of the Spirit and the gifts and the talents and abilities of other people. Amen. It's just not envious. Envy is, the Bible says, rots the bones. Envy exalts materialism. It preaches about how you can be rich. And, and, and you're cl- the richer you are, the closer you are to God. That's Envy we don't do that and the bible teaches us not to do that so and the thing and the fourth thing is that love does not boast as he says here love does not boast and again through the eyes of of paul looking and talking to a church this i believe this is what he's saying is love is full of encouragement and compliments and is interested in the story of other people it's not just boasting about itself. It's not self-promoting. It's not individualistic in its ministry. There's no elitism and privileged attitude among the members. They're not filled with conceit, as the Bible, Bible talks about. They don't boast about their goodness, their works, all the talent they have. They're constantly looking at the needs of others and encouraging other people. Love is not proud. Love isn't proud, the Bible says here. It's not too high to minister to anyone and everyone. It serves in sincerity. It gives God the glory. Pride refuses to see the needs and therefore will never share the cure. When you're full of pride, you'll never see the needs of other people. You'll be like that, those, those two uh, priests that walked alongside of the man that was lying beaten in the road to Jericho. He was there and they just, by pride, they went around him and went their way. So that's pride. Love is not proud. Love doesn't have any prejudices any way doesn't judge other people by the outward appearance. Love does not dishonor others, as, as Paul teaches here. Love does not dishonor others. What does that really mean? It, it just means that what we should be doing is we should be promoting one another with our words and promoting each other with our actions and our attitudes. So it receives people as they are. It, it doesn't take advantage of other people. It's not rude. It's not condescending. It, it honors other people. It just, that's what the Bible teaches us. Love is not self-seeking. And we've talked about this a little bit, but it's just not self-seeking. And what does that mean really for members of a church? Really what it does is it considers members as a family. It, it doesn't, you're not just another number. You're not just a person that is doing the religious duty. You're family. It, it considers members as a family and it does not fight over titles and positions. Not jockeying for position, who's greater, who, who's the best singer, who's, who's the best uh, you know, musician, and who's, who got all the knowledge, and who looks the best today. Uh, that's just really foolish in the eyes of the Lord. It's not self-seeking. It doesn't demand its own way. It, it, it doesn't lord over people with its authority. It, it doesn't abuse those who are sincere. Amen. And then I believe, as Paul was addressing this, goes on, and he says, it's not easily angered. It's not easily angered. Love is not easily angered. It does not make other people walk on eggshells while steamrolling, steamrolling over other people. It's not easily angered. It's not easily provoked or offended, irritable, or overly sensitive. It, it doesn't force other people into drama, into their own drama. Come on, that's how many know that's that's nobody likes that. That's what it means to be easily angered. It strives to live in peace, and love strives to live in peace and unity with each other. Paul goes on here, he says, love keeps no record of wrong. It keeps no record of wrong or it does not de- rejoice in iniquity is what the King James says. It does not keep record of wrong. It does not hold grudges, but it also does not rejoice when other people fall. When other people are in sin, it doesn't, it doesn't say, look, we're better than you or, or, or I'm glad that you did that. I told you, you were going to do that. It doesn't do that. It understands the power of forgiveness and the new life in Jesus Christ. And here's what I believe that uh, when he's talking about that love keeps no record of wrong or rejoices in iniquity. It focuses on completing others, not competing with other people. And this is what I feel that as Paul's addressing this, he's teaching us here that we need to be a grace-filled church. We need to be filled with reconciliation and restoration and forgiveness. And this is what Jesus came to give us, the love that he pours out by the Holy Spirit. Amen. It doesn't delight in evil. He goes on and he says it doesn't delight in evil. Love does not delight in evil. Never is glad about injustice. It never is glad about injustice. It never says, I told you so. You deserved it. Never says that. In fact, the word there in the King James, iniquity, when he talks about this, the iniquity expresses an unevenness or inequality. And this is what he's saying. It doesn't rejoice in those things. And I believe that as a church, we need to be engaged with the community. We need to stay relevant and yet not compromise the truth. This is what he's talking about here. And love, uh, Really what it is, is that we need to love people enough to tell them the truth, but we offer freedom from sin. It's not enough just to say where, you know, hey, I'm going to tell you the truth and it may hurt and then walk away, but we've got to be there when we offer freedom from sin and, and addiction. I believe that lives really uh, you know, ha- are, are changed when we begin to live by these principles. One of the things he's talking about here is it doesn't delight in evil, is it lives by the kingdom of God principles rather than the systems of the world principles. That's the, what the church he's talking about here needs to be. It rejoices in the truth. It really does. It rejoices in the truth. It always is looking for success and victory in the lives of others. The goal here uh, for us as the church is to rejoice in the truth that the goal is not to be right. That's not our goal. Our goal is not to be right, but rather to rejoice in what is right. That's what he's talking about. We grieve over sin, but we rejoice over righteousness. Love accepts the truth. It keeps it pure. It exalts the truth. It promotes the truth. Constantly looking for the truth in others. Amen. always protects. Love always protects few things that love always does. It always protects. It always um, makes allowances for people's mistakes and shortcomings. It, it, it demonstrates loyalty. It demonstrates um, family. It, it, it always protects. It defends before it accuses. That's what love does. It searches for the facts and not leans on speculation. That's what love does. It doesn't excuse sin, but it doesn't destroy people that's what Jesus said, I didn't come to destroy people, I came to save people. So, you know, it doesn't intolerate sin or excuse sin, but it does not destroy people in the process. It refuses gossip, refuses backbiting and hurting people's character because it protects other people. It always trusts, it always builds trust in their leadership teams. This is talking about a church again. It's transparent and accountable with finances and the gifts of the Spirit and the doctrines of Jesus. It trusts God through all trials and pain, no matter what the outcome. As a church, this is what we do. It isn't shaken by the disappointments of others or the negative life experiences. We trust God through everything. We trust God together. We come alongside each other and said, look, we're going to believe God with you and for you until this thing is done. Amen. It always hopes. Always hopes. Always expects the best. It's confident in what God has said. It's always looking and seeing the bigger picture and understands the end goal. That's what hope does. It's always focusing on what God has promised, not necessarily the present circumstances and situations. It remains steadfast during difficult times. It always, always has hope with it, as we talked about last week. Love always perseveres. I don't know if you realize this or not, but again, it's not something that just happens every once in a while. You do it once, it always perseveres. It never stops. It keeps going. And this is the whole point of what he's saying is it, it always, always must be there in everything we do. It navigates through us through conflicts with unity in mind. It endures in suffering and pain and affliction and difficulty. It always perseveres. It's consistent in its witness and its word. It never looks back. It just keeps on going forward. Amen. It's always persevering. And the last thing it says here, Paul shares, he says, love never fails. There's one thing that love cannot do. And the Bible says here it's never going to fail. It's the most significant. It is the motivation of every, every plan we do, every event we do in the church, every vision that we make, every vision statement, every, every ministry that's represented in the church. Really, it's all about this is our motivation is the love of God. It's a love for people. It's it's a love for one another that that really brings us together. Not that I'm fulfilling my religious obligation and I've got to be a good church person. I've got to have religion somewhere in my life. It's that I have a relationship with people and I've got to be there with them so I can share life experiences with them. It motivates us. It motivates us as a church and our vision statements, our ministry, everything we do, love never fades. It should never end. It should be the end goal. It cannot be easily discouraged. It does not fade over time, is what it's saying here. And in verse 8, this is what he says. All these spiritual gifts, all these powers from God are going to come to an end someday. But love goes on forever. And as I kind of start going wrapping this up, I just wanted to turn your attention to something that Paul talked about in verse 1 through 3, what really mattered. What really mattered? He brought it out and he said, I'm going to tell you what really matters. He didn't just say, hey, love matters. He said, I'm going to give you something. Again, he's talking to a church. And he said, listen, I could speak with the tongues of men and angels. I could have great preaching. I could have a great teaching ministry. I could have charisma. I could have personality. I could have all kinds of abilities. I could have the best entertainment in town. But if I do not have love, I'm just making noise. I'm all talk, I'm all show. That's all I have is a presentation of the gospel, not any power to it. And then he goes on and he says this. He said, uh, uh, I can have all kinds of abilities. He said, you can have spiritual gifts. Your church can be the most prophetic the, uh, uh, you know, church in the whole world. I mean, it, you know, just incredible prophetic ministry, incredible, incredible healing ministry. You can have incredible insight to politics and economic status and everything that's happening in the United States and everything that's happening around us in the world. You can have insight. You can do all these mighty things and all these powerful spiritual gifts, but if you do not have love, then what good is it? You'll have no impact on your community. You'll make no effect in the lives of those attending, those members in your congregation. You can have all the prophetic you want, but if you don't have love in it, it won't mean a thing. There'll be no impact and no effect. And then he, the last thing he shares here, he says, I can give. Though I give, and he starts and opens up, I bestow my gift, or I give. Humanitarian projects. You can be doing community service, you can be doing missions all over the world. You can be giving here and going there and, and, and outreaching here and doing all these things. You can even suffer persecution and slander. for you know, But the Bible says if you do not have love, it means nothing. All your persecution means nothing. Who cares about it? It doesn't mean anything to God because you don't have love. Love is not in the mix. You can go out and feed the poor, but if you do not love them, it means nothing. Doesn't mean anything to God, doesn't mean anything to you, doesn't mean anything to them. Amen. And so, with this statement, wrapping this up, as Paul says here, a church could have a great ministry. They could have all the gifts, they could have great works, but if it does not have love, it's all talk with no impact that exists for nothing. And let me just share this quickly because I have a few minutes. In Isaiah chapter 58, you don't have to turn there, but study this later. As God's people were praying and fasting for their nation, praying and fasting for a breakthrough, praying and fasting and seeking God's face, the Bible makes it clear that they were fasting and praying for all the wrong reasons. For all the wrong reasons. And God spoke to them. And basically they wanted, uh, and here's here's the, the crux of that, and the point of that is they wanted a vertical experience with God with no horizontal experience with other people. Think about it. They wanted, really, they wanted, uh, you know, when it came to what they wanted and they wanted God to do something for them while they did nothing for other people. And obviously they were not making an impact. They were not even giving. They were just doing things for themselves. And God said, this is the wrong way to fast. The fast that I have chosen looses the bands of those around you. It ministers to the homeless and to the widows and to the orphans. It makes a difference in the lives of people because you can be doing a lot of things as a church, but if it's not done in love, for love, and with love, it means nothing to God. Think about it. See, God connects the horizontal with the vertical. Come on, is that what the Bible says? By this all men should know that you are my disciples if you have love one to another. How can you love God whom you haven't seen if you don't love your brother whom you've seen? It has to go horizontal, amen, before it really works vertical. And that's what I'm giving you today. We can't do that as a church. And if we look at 1 Corinthians 13 and we look at how the love love of God has been poured out by the Holy Ghost, we have to say, amen, that we cannot ignore... Amen, what's going on today, and not move in love. We've got to move in love. We can't hide behind the bunkers of church and say just throw money at things and just say, oh, well, I'm concerned, or yeah, whatever, and that's great. But there has to be something more that we see in the church. And this is what Paul was saying. You can brag about all the gifts of the Spirit you want. You can brag about all the things that you do. And you can, you can flow in those. You can have a, a, the greatest a sound you know, a system. You can have all the lights. You can be the most relevant, most current, most modern church on the planet. But if you don't have love, it doesn't mean anything. doesn't mean anything. Not that those things are wrong. Not that those things are bad in themselves. But without love, they're just a shell. It's just a shell. And it's a presentation, not true power. And then the last thing I want to just conclude with as we see Paul writing here in verses 11 and 13, as we see, he says this, and and I I thought about this. He said, when I was a child, I, I I, I did childish things. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. And I believe that really that as the Lord is speaking through Paul here, he's saying to the church that God wants to grow you. God wants you to mature. He wants you to grow up in the faith. He wants you to take responsibility. As a young man begins to develop, he takes more responsibility. As it goes from childhood to adulthood, he stops caring about himself. He starts looking on the needs of others. That's the point of it. Is that when love becomes who we are, people will know who God is. And so God loves it when we are able to be what He is. And this is what Paul is trying to describe here. He said, look, we we can't let these things hinder us from growing up in our faith so that we can reach people, we can reach the world, we can you know, truly preach the gospel with signs following. See, then when you go out and you have love for one another, you'll be like Jesus where Je- the Bible says that Jesus saw the multitudes and had compassion. He had, he had a love first, he had compassion first, and then spiritual power began to flow. And I believe that we shouldn't long for spiritual power in the church until we long for love in the church, love through the church and in the church. And the last thing he says and concludes in verse 13, he says, and now you have faith, and that's good. Now you have hope, and that's good. Now you have love, but the greatest that you need to focus on is love. I believe that a a church today where we're going is that we do have to have tremendous faith. We've got to have great faith in our church, believing God for what we cannot achieve ourselves and what God has spoken, we've got to have faith. I believe that we've got to have great hope Can anybody say amen? We've got to have great hope. And not just talk about it. We've got to begin to show it and express it. Great hope. Great hope. But I also believe that there needs to be the greatest, and that is love. The love of God. And so sometimes I think we get so busy doing church that we really forget about being the church. We really forget about who God's called us to be, the salt and the light in this earth today. And if anybody, anybody ever needed light right now, It's, amen, those who don't know the Lord. Those out in the world, just in darkness. I've talked to a lot of people, heard a lot of things this week, and it just seems like there's just a shroud of darkness. But I believe that God is penetrating through that light. Christians, amen, they're living the life and and seeking the Lord and and wanting to love and reach out and make a difference. I believe, amen, that God is beginning to burst through. God, amen, things are going to begin to happen. Amen. And so I believe that as we live this out, Amen, the love of God that's been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. Let's open up to the Spirit of God. Let's open up to the love of God. Let's open up to what God wants us to do. And I'm telling you, you have every opportunity. You don't have to wait to go on a mission trip. Man, you just step out of your house. That's the mission field. You just go to the grocery store. Man, that's your mission trip. You know, we've got to change the way we think. And I'm gonna tell you something right now, it may not be easy, people aren't gonna be open, maybe initially, to the love of God, it may feel uncomfortable, it may be strange, but nevertheless, it brings healing, it brings power. And so let's practice these things this week. Let's seek the Lord and say, God, we're we're gonna live the life, we're gonna live the life that you've called us to live. And so today, I don't know who you are, I don't even know if you know the Lord, if you're born again, if you're a Christian. Amen, it's not about you gotta get into this church or that church and you've gotta do Christian things. It's about knowing the Lord. God loves you. He's always loved you. He's known you. He's always pursued you, and He wants a relationship with you today. That can happen very simply by believing that Jesus Christ came two thousand years ago as a man. God humbled Himself, came as a form of man, was born of a virgin, lived a life, and was beaten and crucified, died on the cross for our sins and our disobedience. Amen. He was buried in a tomb, rose again on the third day. And he lives right now. He's coming back again someday. And he did all that because he loves you. The Bible says that God so loved. For God so loved. What are we going to do, church? What are we going to do because we love? What is compelling us to do? If it compelled God to bring his only son and allow his son to be beaten and and suffer. Amen. The, the, The shame of the cross. What are we willing to do? What are we willing to do for the love that God has put in our hearts by the Holy Ghost? I want to pray with you today. And let's pray for our cities. Let's pray for our neighborhoods. Pray for our family. and Let's pray for our nation. Lord, we just thank you for your word today. We thank you that the love of God is, is simple. But yet, Lord, it just seems so hard to achieve. In this time, Lord, of, of, of seemingly darkness and oppression, Lord, and just heaviness, Lord, we pray for the freedom of God. We pray for the peace of God. I pray for the the grace of God. Hallelujah. To be lived out in the life of believers, Lord, right now. Not to hide and be silent and not to cower, but now to stand up and say that this is the way. Let's walk here. Let's go here. This is the way that God has called us to go. This is the love of God. This is the peace of God. Lord, let us be conduits of hope, conduits of peace and love today. It sounds so simple, Lord, but yet, Lord, how hard is it to do it? And I pray, Lord, that you would continue to draw people that don't know you. They have questions about you. They have doubts. They have hurts. They have wounds in their lives, Lord, concerning the church. Lord, I pray that you would reveal yourself to them. It's not about a man. It's about you. It's about Jesus. It's not about a church. It's about Jesus. So, Lord, reveal yourself to them. Reveal your love to them. Show them, Lord, the power of your mercy in their life, Lord, and forgiveness that Jesus Christ has for them, Lord. We thank you for it. We give you all the praise and all the glory. Bless every family. Bless everyone that's listening, Lord. Every marriage, every uh, young person, every teenager, Lord. I pray you would heal bodies today by the power of your blood. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. God bless you. We'll see you live right here next week.